Welcome. This is Horror and More with Anya Gore. I am your host, your horror mistress, Anya. Tonight, I am here with Melissa from Malevolent Productions. This is the full episode number one. Go grab a drink, sit back, and come into my world, my gore world. So there's a first few things I want to talk about before anything. I want to give a massive shout out to Cal24. He did that awesome introduction piece. He composed it himself and he is incredibly talented. Please go over to Instagram, give him some likes, give him a follow. I highly recommend you listen to his stuff. The next shout out I want to give out tonight is to a horror podcast that I've been listening to for a long time and they've really, really been inspiration for me to want to really delve into doing podcasts and that's Horrorphoria. They are amazing. Go check them out on Instagram as well. They review very wonderfully horror movies and I have to say I am Myself, I'm pretty on par with a lot of their opinions thus far, with the exception of Rob Zombie, but we'll talk about that when I have them on the podcast. So let's delve into the reason we're here tonight. Hi, Melissa. Hello. How are you this fine evening? Oh, I'm doing really good. You inspired me today to watch some movies that you have really been getting into talk about that yeah so you know with covid and i don't know for those of you who either working from home or have less people in your office i've been putting movies on while i've been working and i decided i saw that the um the paranormal activities were all on netflix with the exception of the first one so i decided to rewatch two and three and four and I got Anya convinced to rewatch them too, and it's got us chatting a bit. It's true. You first talked about this on one of your lives, I guess it would have been last weekend or the weekend before. And because uh, you were talking about paranormal things in your life, mm -hmm. which, by the way, if you guys aren't following Malevolent Productions, go give them a follow right now. <laughs> and by them, I mean her. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, and we do go live often. I go live often, and uh, Anya here comes in on the lives, and we talk about all sorts of par uh, paranormal and weird things, but we wanted to delve into this a little bit more because Paranormal Activity is one of those movies that people either really like, and it's sort of becoming like a cult favorite, or you just fucking hate it. It's true. Although, I will say, I um, up until my rewatch today, so I rewatched number three today, completely head to toe, and then stuck the second one on. Yes, I went backwards. I'm crazy like that. Yes. And watched 90% of it. And then the day got ahead of me, and I wasn't able to finish it. But up until these rewatches, I was on board 100%. I loved the Paranormal Activity movies. But uh, today changed my mind a little bit because of the third one. Well, 
Where can I get my notes? <laughs> Great. <laughs> well, the first, the first thing I wanted to point out um, for anybody that follows me, and I don't know if you have any of these pictures yet on yours. There is a picture of me with the model Andy Rose in a really small, strange looking little room where we're demons. And their room upstairs, their playroom where Toby, so to speak, lives, mm -hmm. I guess. Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna add right now, this is gonna, they're gonna be spoilers. So if you haven't watched these movies and you want to, stop now, go watch them, and then come back and join back into this conversation. I will continue. That playroom reminded me of the playroom in my house, mm -hmm. my new house that mm -hmm. I just moved into, that I am having all sorts of paranormal activity happening. The interesting thing for me about those movies is, yes, there is a plot from the first to the second, to the third, to the fourth. But as individual movies, I found the third one particularly entertaining because it takes place in 1988. The aesthetic is a bit different. Uh, you're dealing with the two little girls. You're getting the history. The first one I found like probably is my favorite because it was the introduction to the movies and it was very different at its for its time when it came out that style um the second one we talked about we both really loved and the third mm -hmm. one we've been discussing today we both have a little bit of controversy about what we both think about it now are they brilliant pieces of film original ideas and all of that no but I really liked the third one. I mean, what I, what I do appreciate from this series is they are doing their own version of this handheld camera. Yes. And there are so many, so many movies like that. And I do like in the third one that they specifically took apart, the, the husband took apart the fan and said to his wife, I am going to put this camera on the fan and it's going to pan here and there and back and forth and so it it does give you this realistic element when you're watching it like okay i can understand why the camera is going from room to room however <laughs> these are where my notes come in so you're watching this and they're presenting it like this is almost found footage, right? Kind of. I don't think it's Blair Witch style found footage. I don't really know why we're necessarily watching this footage. Well, this is, this is where I got confused because they're editing themselves editing it. They're also, there's dates, there's times. It's a bit bizarre that we're watching this it would be one thing if it was a family saying we take videos of everything and document everything that we do that i could get on board with but they're adding dates and times where's that coming from what what, what cohesion to the plot where does that fit well it does because if you watch the first second and third when katie 
Okay, so spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah. We find out that this was transferred to her from her sister in the second one. And the timestamps are important because you need to know in the second one sort of when it was transferred to her, when she was possessed, when the sister was not possessed, when this thing sort of took over into Katie's life, she killed Mika, her boyfriend. In the third movie, I don't know, I feel like it is sort of relevant and it helps to validate this, the odd story that they're telling because they're piecing it together through so many elements of time. And I can see how it can be very confusing. And, you know, when I first watched them, I would have never got all of these details. Yeah. I've rewatched yeah. them four or five times. Yeah. And I'm just starting to kind of be like, oh, okay. And then we get into the fourth one. Well, so many, so much of the fourth one didn't make any sense, which we don't <laughs> need to talk about tonight. But, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess... The thing is, and we'll talk about the Blair Witch in a little bit when we talk about favorite movies tonight. <laughs> I know that's one of your favorite movies. Yeah. Um, what I appreciated about the Blair Witch as a movie watcher, and maybe this is a little bit different for people who are more popcorn movie watchers, I don't need the glaring obviousness of the dates and the times. I feel it takes away... It takes away the authenticity that they're going for of it being a home video. And they're editing it, but they're not editing it, if that makes any sense. I get what you're saying. I think it depends on if you're watching it for the scare or if you're watching it because you are you are looking for those little details and you're piecing it together. You know, those people yeah. that go in and they critique and they figure out oh this is where they screwed up and this is where it aligns and <laughs> you mean you know? like a, a, a movie reviewer <laughs> yeah like, like hardcore but that's what we're doing though yeah we yeah. are reviewing you know and I guess it depends on on why you're watching it I I more enjoy those movies for the jump scares hmm. and I enjoy seeing whomever wrote that or however many people wrote that idea what went into it, the creativity, how, how they built that whole concept. I don't really pay attention to the tiny, tiny details. Um, I kind of look at the overall thing so I can let some of those things go, I guess. See, for me, I can't. As yeah, a, you're very particular. Well, as a, as a horror movie watcher, that's what I end up watching is the details. Yeah. You know, like I wrote down little little things that bothered me. For example, the earthquake happens at the beginning of the movie. What does she do first? Sticks her shirt back on. Shirt needs to go back on. And then she needs to go find her kids. That's not going to happen. Come on now. <laughs> Are you going to put your shirt back on before you run and grab your child? No. No. Exactly. Then let's talk about when the babysitter, babysitter enters. Mm. Oh, this scene just the ghost one? Oh, it had me irritated no the the babysitter experiencing things and then rushing out of there oh and not telling the family well so this is the thing so first the babysitter shows up sees all these cameras the mom excuses it oh you know you know her husband it's not a big deal I'm like okay no big deal this is the 80s she would be like, why are there cameras all over the place? This is weird. See, but I think because it's the 80s, she wouldn't. 
if she explained, yeah, my husband does this, these are just his weird projects. Nowadays, no fucking way. No way. In the 80s, that would have been strange because they were big, bulky pieces of equipment. I remember them. And they would be obvious and it would be strange she's just getting paid man she just wants to come and get her coin and get out yeah but back then nobody filmed anybody for any any other purpose other than watching or whatever we don't know what kind of lifestyle she came from okay that's fair (laughs) speaking of details (laughs) you don't know but that was also the time of when michael donahue went missing in canada for those that are listening that are outside of canada that was one of the first big canadian child abductions it's still to this day i guess it's never been found out where he went or who took him and what happened to him um but that was sort of the time frame where that all began and nanny cams sort of became a thing and so this wasn't a nanny cam so to have the babysitter not even question it seemed a bit odd but then So these two girls, one of them being quite young, ask for a ghost story. She throws on a sheet and just does a ghost story for them. I thought that was a bit strange for two young children with the babysitter. Sure, I'll give you a ghost story. You're going to bed. Have fun. Good luck. Well, what I found strange about that was these girls have been experiencing these creepy things and they ask for a ghost story. Mm-hmm. You would think they would be like, hell no. <laughs> the last thing we want to be talking about right now is ghost, ghost but story. Yeah. There's so many more elements to it that I would pick apart. Well, from... and then and then the babysitter experiences, um, I guess the sheet is up behind her and she doesn't see it. Yeah. That's fine. It's strange why a sheet is suddenly there without it making its presence known to her, but fine. And then she goes upstairs, and I guess for some reason she gets pulled into that playroom. And Toby makes himself his presence known and pushes her. And what does she do? Turns around, looks at the two kids, goes right downstairs, waits for the parents to come home, and goes out. Yeah, it's very odd. Well, if you, <laughs> if you were a babysitter and you just got pushed by a spirit... Yeah, I'd call 911. You're not going to turn around and just say, Oh, well, girls, I hope you're okay. Hope you survive that. The, the, <laughs> the, the scene in that movie that really scared me, speaking of Toby making his presence known, was the Bloody Mary scene in the bathroom. Um, mm-hmm. That was a good scene. I didn't really like how they did another shock value kitchen scene because yeah. they had already yeah. done it in the second one so well. Although I liked the kitchen scene in the third one where everything went to the roof and then came down. No, that was in the second one. That was the third. The, no, the, the third the, one, everything shook. The, like second, the second one is when every cupboard and door and everything opens all at once. And the third one that you just watched is when she comes into the kitchen and everything's gone. It's all and it's all ceiling. barren. And then all of a sudden it all comes down. My goodness, I guess I wasn't watching as detailed <laughs> as I had me. hoped. Yeah. But I was I was working in my defense. Um and there was just a here here's another thing too. When you're gonna make four, five, six, whatever parts of one movie, the first paranormal activity you watch, you're like, cool, the home camera thing, neat. Mm-hmm. The second one, you're like, okay, cool, the third one, and then it's kinda like, okay, like how many ways can we make this creative and how much so you know in the fourth one it goes into the laptops and the smart devices the xbox 
um, with the connect. Um, it just starts to get predictable and less scary and kind of like, okay, we yeah. get it. So I think sometimes they overdo these really cool ideas. And even though you feel like you've made a, a movie that works really well and you want to keep producing that, sometimes you need to just quit while you're ahead. <laughs> so many franchises. Yeah, quit while you're ahead. Absolutely. I always think about, um, was it Seinfeld? That show? Mm -hmm. They they just they, they quit while they were ahead they, of so many they people. Quit at the highest point. At the highest yeah. point. And it's hard because when you see something being su successful. Yeah. Um, you just want to keep going. And, and to roll that into a little bit about our photography and, our, and you modeling and the projects that I do and that we do together, you always want to just keep switching it up and trying new things. If you keep doing what's predictable, it's not fun for you. It's not fun for other people. And, and that's why with movies that have more than three parts, it just starts to be like, where are you going to go from here? That's a, a good challenge idea for us. We need to find a series of movies, of horror movies especially, where there's more than two that is, you know, consistent throughout. Okay, Jeepers Creepers has like five parts. Has five movies. Does it? And okay. you, do you know what I watched last night? I watched the original Tremors oh, with, with Kevin, Kevin Bacon. Bacon. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, I think I'm going to go watch the second one. There's like five of them. Is there? And they all look dumb. <laughs> of course they do. So, anyway. Tremors is a good, fun classic. Oh, I love that movie. It's it's watching it in in, in 2020. Very different experience than yes. when I first watched it. But anyway, I'm, I'm going off. But, yeah, well, I mean, let's roll that into our favorite horror movies. Yes, let's go. We're only, I, I, I tasked Melissa with three. So we're only discussing three okay. tonight. Um. If you hear all my papers, it's because I have a whole bunch of notes. You are so organized. I am very organized. <laughs> I wrote down oh, you what wrote... you what you told me. Oh, okay. If I'm you excited. want to. Uh... Oh, okay. So let's yes. start with number. Let's start with number three. Okay. So I put the Blair Witch Project again. It's one of those movies I feel like people either really like or they're just like, really, you like that? Um, you want to know what I like about it? Yeah. How did you feel? I found it an original concept. I We do want to premise this by saying this is the original Blair Witch. The original Blair Witch. I'm not into any of their whatever. But again, spoiler alerts for anyone who hasn't seen it. I liked the fact that the actors were no one that I had known. I liked the fact it was not Hollywood, that it was not the makeup, the hair, the glam, um, that it was out in the woods. I liked the raw feeling of it. I didn't feel there was a ton of special effects um, or any fluff taking away from just the creepiness of it. I thought the idea was creepy. The acting was good. It wasn't too over the top. It wasn't fluffy, as I call it. The marketing um, on it as well the was marketing. incredible. The we ending, knew nothing. The ending was so good. I mean, it was just, it was just, to me, it was original. It was good. It was different. I loved it. Okay. Um, well, I'm going to, I'm going to say my, yes. what my favorite third is while you yes. simmer on that for a moment. So I'm going to start with. My third favorite, so I would give it a four and a half out of five if I had to, and that is Rob Zombie's House of a Thousand Corpses. 
good one. So I saw that when it first came out. And the first thing that I noticed about it, as I'm sure everybody did, was it was this amazing tribute to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre within his own world. So prior to watching this, I didn't listen to Rob Zombie or White Zombie. I, I shouldn't say I, I didn't listen. I wasn't an active listener. And so I had very limited exposure to him before watching this. And what I just went into it sort of blind, not knowing very much about Rob Zombie at that time, not knowing that his music videos are tributes and homages to horror movies and his lyrics are tributes and homages to horror movies. He has been a horror movie buff his entire life. And, you know, he, he wrote it and directed it. And I'm just going to say a couple facts about it. Um, his wife, his stunning wife, who I have such a female crush on her. Oh my goodness. Sherry Moon Zombie. She plays Baby Firefly. And some people have um, really kind of zoned in on Baby Firefly and have said that they think she is sort of taken from um, one of the Manson killers. So like that kind of psychopath where there's just no empathy there. She is a psychopath for being the sake of being a psychopath. And my thing with her is that I enjoy the, the dynamic difference between her being uber girly and then being, I'm going to murder you. I'm going to cut your tits off. Like I like the contrast, the, the darkness buried deep within this stunning, beautiful woman with curly blonde hair. I love that. Um, but while I was doing a little bit of research about this movie, I found out that Rob Zombie doesn't like his movie. Every time he watches it, he just picks apart flaws. I really liked that movie. That movie took me on a journey and I like movies where visually I'm sort of like, the fuck is going on? <laughs> and that, that movie definitely did that for me. Absolutely. The, the, the fish. Well, and his... Took me to another level. <sighs> His music, his music it's choices. Great. Yeah, that, they are that's amazing. A, that's a great choice. A great choice. I got a couple other fun facts about it. And I just want to kind of say. So, this movie was originally going to be released by Universal, but after they watched it, the final cut they shelved it, and uh, and then Rob Zombie was bought back the rights and sold them to Lionsgate, who released it. And his whole opinion about it was, well, I named it House of a Thousand Corpses. What did you expect? No shit. <laughs> no like, shit. come on, Universal. Yeah. And also, a fun fact, and I know I mentioned this to you before, something that kind of resonated with me because we always do all of our shoots ourselves. Everything is funded by us. We don't get paid for anything that we do. We do it because we love it and because we want to always be pushing and creating and striving is the cutaway scenes from that movie when Baby Firefly is masturbating with the skeleton and, um, you know, they were all filmed. And Otis is with the 
the cheerleaders, he kills all the cheerleaders and stuff, they were filmed after it wrapped in Rob Zombie's basement. I love that. That's I love cool. that fun little fact. It just reminded me that, you know, yeah, he's this massive movie producer and he's this musician, a hacky musician, but still fun. And he still is doing that shit out of his basement. Mm -hmm. I loved that. Loved it. Some of the best work that I do oh. comes when not really trying that hard at all. Yeah. I mean, yeah, some projects definitely you need to be on point. Um, and well, the Ron shoot. Well, the Ron shoot that I did, you, you cannot. Everyone had to be on point. The props had to be on point. The, the models had to be on point. Everyone killed it, literally. But <laughs> some of the stuff we did, like even what we did tonight, it's very improvised. And I like that. I like the fact that it's out in the backyard and it's, let's just see what we come up with. And I think. Rolling around in the dirt. Sometimes you can make a masterpiece out of nothing on the spot mm -hmm. yeah i agree it's awesome what's your second favorite horror movie so i'm taking it back to the late 80s early 90s with creep show i'm talking about the original that has multiple um shorts within one film yeah it wasn't ted danson it ted danson wasn't yeah. one of them what really stands out about it to me was it was sort of the first horror movie that my dad sort of i snuck rented it he kind of was like we went into whatever rogers video and he goes you can pick a scary movie he didn't even look at the box and i was with my <laughs> friend and i was like let's get this and it was that weird skeleton guy on the front with yeah. the long hair and i remember we were just watching it like what have we done like why did we rent this we were so creeped out and at the same time i rewatched it and rewatched it and rewatched it and it was sort of my first introduction to horror creativity, I guess, because they were three within one, and the ideas were just so interesting and different, and it was my first experience with nudity in, in film and fucked up ideas and the dead coming back to life, and I was like, I was young. I was nine, eight, really young, and um, it's just what sticks out in my mind. I love that. And uh, there was nothing, you know, over the top about it. But sometimes simple is best. And I think that's why a lot of people love the classics. Oh, Because they absolutely. weren't full of the CGI and the over-the-top acting. It was that cheesy acting. The right kind of cheesy. The right kind of <laughs> cheesy. And, yeah, I loved it. Creep show. Go watch it. Okay. The original. The original. Absolutely. Um, we're going to take this to my second, and this was a bit of a toss up for me because as of late, this has been my favorite horror movie, but it doesn't take the number one spot because it hasn't been out as long. It is Jordan Peele's Us. It was released last year. I have watched it so many times. I am so inspired by it. The writing, the acting, the direction, the cinematography, the music choices, the color scheme, the details, his VHS choice of Chud being one of the movies, which is cannibalistic humanoid underground dwellers. It's a movie from the 80s. I don't know if you ever saw it, yeah. but it's fucked. And it's what's interesting. Actually, I think I wrote this down. I did. So Chud, that's cannibalistic humanoid um, underground dwellers. What's interesting about this movie, Us, 
is in the first minute of you, the opening of this movie, he's given everything away to you, everything without even knowing. So having Chud there, the plot of Chud is humanoid monsters who live underground that resurface to wreak havoc in New York City. That is literally one of the themes of Us, mm -hmm. which is incredible. Isn't it like the main theme? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, so some little things in, that I wanted to talk about with this movie was so Lupita oh, oh she fucking kills she killed it, it. Yeah. just nails that role as the as the red woman I, I don't know what they really referred to her there but um with the way that she talked oh oh it just gives me chills even thinking about it and um something I didn't know that I found out when I was researching this movie. So you remember the whole thing is about hands across America, right? With the red hands are holding each other, blah, mm -hmm. blah, blah. So I actually looked up what this fucking charity is. Cause I didn't, I, I remember it, but I wasn't ever, I was a child mm -hmm. when it was around. So it, its aim was to raise $50 million to combat hunger and homelessness in the U.S. by getting 6 million people in the U.S. to hold hands and to create a human chain from New York to California. They actually tried that. Wow. Isn't that fucked? That's fucked. So millions of people actually participated, but the event only raised $15 million. But people actually participated. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It blew me away. Mm. I really liked that movie. I've only seen it once. Um, so I don't feel I've given it a really fair chance. It's not that I didn't like it. It's not a movie I walked out being changed by or wowed by. But I, I enjoyed it. But I, I need to watch it again. Oh, it's incredible. This, yeah. Everything about it is duality. It's... Well, as some things, he said, um, it's a, yeah, duality is a big theme. And that's why he chose scissors as the weapon of choice. I guess a quote from Jordan Peele, he said, it is a whole made up of two parts, but also they l live in this territory between the mundane and the absolute terrifying. He's very big on the symbolism. Oh, huge. That's I why can really, I can really, really respect that. And it, and it, things like that make me want to, um, put more thought into the symbolism yes. of our photos. Well, this is what we've talked about, right? And again, with the movies as well, not, not everybody's going to pick up on those details. Not everybody no. is going to watch these movies and notice at the beginning of the movie that all of the bunnies are jumping around white, but there's one or two that are not white. Like mm -hmm. not everybody is going to pick up on all of these things, but it's a respect thing that if you do, and you're also a horror fan, then it's like you've garnered, garnished that, you know, um, enjoyment from somebody who appreciates your art the way that you do. Oh, which is just unbelievable for an artist to have somebody, whenever I get a message and someone says, oh, um, this kind of reminds me of such and such a movie I'm like oh my god you get it yeah <laughs> like you see it how I see it and it's a huge compliment you must have gotten a lot of that when we did that exorcism shoot I did I still get comments on that shoot wow. um 
quite a few that we've done. Um, and yeah, it, it never ceases to amaze me when people, you know, you get comments and people love the work, but when they specifically are like, oh, did, did this inspire you? Or this reminds me of that. And it's like, yeah, that's exactly where I pulled certain inspiration from without mimicking it exactly right without you know you're doing your own version totally of it. absolutely I love that because you know certain things have been done yes the thing with us is I've never seen anything like it it's very original yes here's to hoping that it continues to be original yes we don't have any <laughs> any fans that want to do what we're doing okay. okay favorite horror movie okay so I feel sort of I don't know, silly picking something that's fairly new because it's there's okay. just so many good classics, but... This movie is incredible. So the thing with horror movies for me is there's not a lot that scares me and there's not a lot where I'm like, wow, that was an amazing horror movie. I choose Hereditary for multiple reasons. Um, I feel like there was so many individual stories within that one story. You had the mother's fucked up relationship was her, with her mother. Mm -hmm. You had Tony Collette's fucked up relationship with her daughter. Mm -hmm. You had the marital issues. You had Tony Collette's fucked up relationship with her son after her daughter dies. Mm -hmm. You have the supernatural aspect of it. You have this very human fucked up mental health aspect of it. And then you have the supernatural aspect of it. The storyline, again... Very creative, amazing. Um, the scenes, the imagery, the shock value. Oh. Um, Tony Collette's acting. Incredible. The special effects were just enough, not too much. Mm -hmm. um, I felt very uncomfortable, which if I feel uncomfortable, that's a movie that sticks with me. Mm -hmm. um, the choice of actors. Mm -hmm. that, that, that little girl. Incredible. Incredible. Her acting was... <laughs> her acting was fucking incredible. And I don't think... I think when you're watching a movie like that, some people take for granted, like, what it takes. Like, imagine actually acting a lot of those scenes out. Tony Collette, when she finds her daughter in the back of... Like, her, her headless in the back of the car. <laughs> I like, can't even... The way that it's executed is so good. And that movie sat with me as an artist as well because I respect so much how that movie was pieced together. I would love to branch into horror, horror movies. It's a huge bucket list of mine. Um, a bucket list item. And that is sort of the formula I would want to follow. Something that engages you, that shocks you, that makes you uncomfortable, that has good flow, good acting, an original storyline, and is just executed very well. There's not a point where you were sitting there bored. No. Um, and I didn't really fucking know what was coming. No. You knew it was building up to something and you knew there was a bigger thing happening and then the end it was like what <laughs> the fuck loved everything about that movie yeah it punches you in the face yeah the end. it does and then you walk away super stung. disturbing in the best way in the imagery and yeah and again it was it was it was impactful without being too much mm -hmm. so that's what i really like about it i feel like some horror movies they just it's just they try too hard to affect you. Mm -hmm. And I found Hereditary just had the right amount to make you go, what It was the hell? so subtle. 
but impactful so impactful yeah, yeah. it get it got it gets under your skin yes i know <laughs> i know i agree with you <laughs> <laughs> so you would give that a, a five out of five um four point a 4.8.5 oh <laughs> it's hard for me to give something a five oh. very high up there you're gonna have to if let i me were know. if i were to have any critique um the idea of same thing, it goes back to the paranormal activity, the firstborn son being either the sacrificial one or the king or whatever. It's always the firstborn son, the firstborn son. It's always the son. Like it's that concept of it has mm -hmm. been done before. And that's fine because it was so original in, in so many other ways. Um, I wish they had delved just a tiny bit more and explained the fucked upness with Tony Collette's mom and just maybe ironed a bit of those kinks out in that story piece of, of their fucked up relationship. And mm -hmm. I get how that, how her mom fit into things, but it was just a little odd. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, right? The whole premise of the movie is based on this cult of witches that you know nothing about, so to speak yeah. until the end. Yes. And then by that time you've been hit with shock after shock after shock that you almost need to sit back and go, okay, I need to watch that yeah, immediately and I, and, again. Yeah, and I need to watch it again <laughs> to, to get the full spectrum. But okay, we're going to give it a 4.9. Okay. <laughs> You're going to have to let me know when a, when when a, a five, five hits. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I will. <laughs> You'll be the first to know. Okay, excellent. Um, and I'll just quickly talk about my favorite movie. And um, like I said, Us has stuck with me. So it's been almost my favorite movie. But my favorite movie of all time has always been Rosemary's Baby. Everything about that movie it just hit me. It gave me all the feels. Um, so it's from 1968. It is older than I am. <laughs> Directed by Roman Polanski. And um, Mia Farrow is in it. So I'm just going to give a couple fun facts about yes. the movie because that's what I like to do. So there were rumors that Vidal Sassoon came out and did her hair. Did you hear those rumors? No. No, because no? she has this very iconic, she goes from long to short. And uh, when I looked into it, I assumed that was an accurate rumor, but it isn't. So Mia Farrow cut it herself and it just hit home and people loved it so much that after that point, they had Vidal Sassoon to, to come and uh, cut it and just do trims and stuff for all of the uh, events and publicity stunts that she was doing. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Couple curses that I read about because I don't know about you, but I hear about these curses on all of these really intense, you know, movies like The Exorcist was just yeah. plagued with curses. And it's, some of them are too eerie to ignore. So this one... So Polanski's wife was murdered by the Manson family who are alleged Satanists, right? Which is what Rosemary's Baby is about. Yes. The composer died of a brain clot one year after making the film the same way a character in the film dies. Hmm. Blood clots aren't, I mean, I can't imagine they're that common that it would that be. Is yeah, that is, it's that a is bit coincidental, random. yeah. Um, the, one of the producers, William Castle, nearly died of a 
kidney failure shortly after the film was completed, and as he lay in a coma, he was heard reciting cries from the movie, such as, for God's sake, Rosemary, drop the knife. Ooh. Yeah. It's a little, a little eerie. Um, and my last little fun fact is Jack Nicholson was considered for the role. Interesting. But... Roman Polanski felt he was too demonic. <laughs> they needed someone more clean cut, Fair. which is super bang on for him. Yeah. Super bang on. You know, when you're saying movie curses, it makes me think of The Crow as well. Oh, that's right. With Brandon Lee. Yeah, he got sh shot. Oh, fuck. I love She the just Crow. did quotation marks around shot, by the way. <laughs> um, I love that movie. Um, yeah, there's so many movies. A Poltergeist, That Little Girl. Yes that are just plagued with negativity oh, and just bad things happening. Bad juju. Yeah. Um, you know, when I think about that with the shoots that we do, I have yet to feel affected after a shoot mm -hmm. where I'm like, wow, I have residual. When we're shooting it, I get off more on the excitement of the creativity than, wow, I'm emerged in the demon in the, the the thing that you're acting as, in the gore, in the blood, I'm more getting off on, shit, this is going to be a sick picture. Yes. So I think because I'm not attaching myself deeply to the demonic or supernatural element of it, mm -hmm. I couldn't imagine on a film, though. Because be you, yeah. you, you, are, you are either becoming that character for yes. a long period of time. Who knows? Well, can you imagine in The Exorcist, Linda Blair was... 13. No, I can't imagine. Taking this crucifix. Well, think and... about how intense our hour of shooting was. We did a demonic uh, exorcism shoot in my room. Mm -hmm. I transformed my room into sort of a 70s exorcist scene. And it was intense. Mm -hmm. It but was. But it never... The, the high of how amazingly creative and artistic and, and amazing you girls acted stuck with me. But I had no eerie vibes. I don't know about you. No. Have you ever from a shoot? Uh, well, the only eerie vibes I really feel is when I'm leaving your house. And every single time I feel like the the guy from Get Out that goes running at night is going to come running <laughs> out, out of the, of the forest. And he's just going to come and oh, plow me down. Yeah. But, uh, but no, I haven't felt any weird yeah, and anything. I mean, we and we make well, some dark shit. Actually, the only time I've experienced anything was when we were doing that shoot at my empty house. Remember? Okay, yeah, well, that that was very. I felt that was a very strange. In there for sure. Yeah, so just for those who don't know, we did a shoot before I moved into this new house where I was with a doll, and I've got a blonde wig on. You can go look at the pictures on my Instagram, also on Melissa's Instagram, Malevolent Productions. And we did a short, really short clip where the camera is coming up some stairs and it's listening to me rocking back and forth and laughing hysterically. And then I come running towards the door and hiss. But while that was being filmed, there was a really weird banging sound and we have no idea where it came from or what would have caused it because there was nobody else in the house and there was nothing even in the house. There was a few, when I was upstairs setting up the lighting, I definitely felt a presence, um, male for sure. And I did hear a male voice at one time, as did Andy. So weird, because since we've moved in there, there's been a couple instances. Today, for example, 
just every time I, I went to the bathroom, a new cupboard door was open. It happened three times. And, and this is the thing, like, how would we know it's male? Who knows? But that's what we felt. I felt male as well. Mm -hmm. Crazy. Crazy shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we're going to wrap up here on our, uh, the first episode of Horror and More with Anya Gore. I'm your horror mistress, and it was lovely having you here tonight. Always a pleasure to be on your your podcast, and I can't wait to be on more. Yes. Well, there will be more coming. And um, just one really quick question that a fan had for us. Mm. What changed it for you? What moment changed it for you from when you went from being a horror fan to being like a horror fanatic? When did it go from, oh, I like horror, to, wow, I love horror? I've never known. I've always been into... When I was literally in grade four, making my mom take me to graveyards after school to walk around. I've wow. always been this way. I don't know a point which I said, I'm a horror fanatic. I have just always been this way. I have my very first books I ever was able to... You know, when you start reading an actual chapter book, Goosebumps and R.L. Stein's Fear Street. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> I was always into, I've always felt spiritual energy around me. I was always attracted to graveyards. Halloween has always been my shit. Um, I've always been attracted to dark things. I've just always been that girl. Um, my whole life since I was, ever can remember. <laughs> so I, I don't have a moment. This is of all it's all I've ever known. <laughs> Truly. That's how I feel. Well, and your pictures show that. I think so. Yeah. yeah. I think so too. Okay. Well, on that note, we're gonna wrap up. Have a good night, everybody, and stay tuned for more episodes of Horror and More with Anya Gore. <laughs>